It is a treat to be here. Let me just give you my testimony because it, it fits in with this. I was not raised in a Christian home. And my dad was a U.S. Marine. Any military here, raise your hand. Amen. We owe so much to our military. My dad wasn't a Christian, but he loved America. He fought as a Marine in World War II. He fought in Korea, and he fought in Vietnam. He was a lifer. My wife's dad, he fought in World War II. He fought in Korea, and he fought in Vietnam. And that's our heritage. We need to fight for liberty. That was a time when we knew that liberty was at stake. And folks, really, liberty is at stake every day. And really, every generation, I truly love what my father did. We need to love what our soldiers did. We need to love what our founding fathers did. Now, praise the Lord. I was, I lived, I've always lived in America. I never heard the gospel until I was 24 years old. Isn't that amazing? Now, we have the liberty to preach here, but uh, somehow people didn't reach me. Do we need to tell people about Jesus? Folks, do we need to tell people about Jesus? We do. It took two years. I was very stubborn. If I have one redeeming character virtue, it's that I'm stubborn. Uh, you know, but it took two years of that Holy Spirit just pounding into this head that I was a sinner. And that, uh, that my sin separated me from God. Talk about separation of church and state. I mean, you know, for that early part of my life, it was separation of, of Terry and God. And it wasn't God's fault. And uh, I praise the Lord, my brother, a family member, is the one who led me to the Lord. And uh, you'll never know who's watching you. And... Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, when I tell people where I was saved, a lot of people, uh, you know, truly doubt that I am saved. Uh, I was saved in Washington, D.C. Now, how many of you doubt my salvation? Now, I see that hand. Yes, that's right. And uh, that was 1975. And Jan, my wife, Jan, stand up a sec, please, again. Thank you. Thank you. Jan was saved a week later. And, uh, wow, we didn't know anything about, about the Bible. And, uh, you know, but I got saved, you know, head to toe. That's the only way you get saved. But, man, I knew I was saved because I was different. The night I got saved, I got saved in the middle of the night, I stayed up and read the whole New Testament that night. Now, as a newborn Christian, I didn't understand a lot. <laughs> But I did read it. And if you're a Christian, you're going to love this book. Amen. And uh, let's open up this book. Amen. Let's turn to a, uh, the first reference in the Bible to liberty. And, uh, you know, our theme is the price of liberty. And, uh, and there is a price. Freedom is not free. My father fought 
for freedom. Freedom is not free. Leviticus chapter 25, I'm going to read a couple of verses. And you're going to see, as we read this, what the price of liberty is. Leviticus chapter 25, and I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. It says this, Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession. And ye shall return every man unto his family. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that today we can celebrate in church the Declaration of Independence, the liberty which we have in America. So many of us take it for granted. All you have to do is travel to the Middle East and spend a couple of weeks with Pastor Alter and you will realize we should not take liberty for granted. Most of the world does not have the liberty which which we just live in and breathe in every single day. Father, I pray that right now as we open up your word and And look at this Old Testament passage which talks about liberty that you will just take control of our minds and our ears and our hearts and let us focus on you and your message for us today. Thank you for the privilege of standing in this pulpit and opening up the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. The Hebrew children had been in Egypt for 400 years. They had been what? Slaves. They didn't control their destiny. But they didn't give up hope. God used a man. God always uses a man. A man named Moses. He was not qualified to do what God called him to do. And that's good. God doesn't need qualified people. God needs people who are willing to lean and depend on God. And that's what Moses became. And God doesn't even need young people. I'm glad we have young people. You're the next generation. But how old was Moses? You know, when God used him? 80 years old. How many of you are 80 or older? Raise your hand. Let me see. There's a hand or two going up. Amen. Now, if you're not 80, if you're close to 80, that was okay if you raised your hand, if you were a little confused by that. As you go, honey, am I 80 yet? (laughs) I mean, I understand. I understand. That's okay. Now, God used Moses to deliver the people out of Egypt and lead them to the promised land. And in the book of of, of Leviticus, we're at at a time when they're, 
on their way. And Moses never forgot that God's people were slaves. And, you know, I think of me, man, I was a slave to sin. Romans 6 makes that very clear. If you're like me, saved as an adult, I was 26, I was a slave to sin. Boy, every day I'm reminded that I have liberty in Christ. Amen? Now look here, this talks about proclaim liberty throughout the land. It's a very special time there in in verse 10. The 50th year, that's the Jubilee. Every 50 years, this is the law of God as given to Moses at Mount Sinai. Every 50 years, there was to be a Jubilee, a day of Jubilee. It was was to be a year of Jubilee. And everyone who had become a servant was basically set free. They could go back to their family They could go back to their land. And boy, you know, that's what we need is to have something to look forward to. Now, is Jesus coming back? Amen. Do you have something to look forward to? Is your life kind of a little bit edgy right now? A little tough right now, is it? You got something to look forward to. Right here is something that God is saying you got something to look forward to. Every 50 years, you can return. It would be like a revival. Now, I hope we don't have to wait 50 years here for a revival. I tell you, you know where revival begins? How many people does it take to have a revival? One. And who can be that one? It can be you. You know what I love? I love these young people. When the young people get revived, you know, oftentimes that happens when they go to camp or, or you know, some special occasion. When one young person comes back revived... That can get other young people revived. And then that, that can even get us old, crusty people revived. You're very important, young people. Don't ever forget it. God can use you in mighty, mighty ways. The day of Jubilee, it was always, it always started on a very special day. In verse 9, it says, in the day of what? Atonement. That was the day that the priest would take a, a goat. And let's, let's think about that. This goat was sacrificed for the sins of the people. Before the liberty came, they took a sacrifice there took a shedding of blood. And let me just, just make it very clear. From the Old Testament time, the price of liberty has been what? The blood. Now, a lot of people don't like to hear about the blood, but folks, it's all throughout Scripture. It's all in these songs you were singing this morning. Our founding fathers died for liberty. They counted liberty more precious than their own life. In the Old Testament, it was the blood. But it really wasn't enough for all people, 
for all time. Let's turn over to the New Testament. Let's look at Hebrews. Chapter 9. I love this book. I want you to see what it says. I want you to look at verse 25. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Now, here it comes. But now, once. How often did the blood have to be shed for your sins to be atoned? Once. It goes on. But now, once. In the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let's look up earlier. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. Verse 12 of chapter 9. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And look at verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Why did Jesus shed his precious blood? To pay the penalty for your sins. He died once. And now watch this. It won't be effective for you until once you believe what this book says. Once you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I did this in 1975. Jesus died once. I got born again once. Amen? I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he shed his blood. And I believe that the only way that I could get to heaven is through Jesus. Believing in him. I don't know where you're at today. I'm still going to talk more about liberty, but let me challenge you. You may be a young person. You may be older. You may not be sure if you're going to heaven. All it takes is believing that Jesus died once for your sins and that once you recognize and confess to him, I'm a sinner. My sinners are separating me from God But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Folks, this can be your day of liberty. I used to be a slave to sin. But now I am a child of God. All the rights and privileges of a child of the king. And I have liberty that I never knew before. But it took Jesus... 
to die and shed his blood once. But it takes you to pass this message on to the next generation. You know, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. This is one of my favorite verses. This is what God's word says to us. When you're a Christian, you have liberty. You have the liberty to not fall into sin. I'm not saying that you won't. But God gives you the liberty to to overcome. He gives you a way to escape that temptation. And how are you going to live your life? I love, boy, chapter 5, verse 1. This is a verse I hope gets burned in your minds, Christian. If you're a Christian, we need people to get this verse in their minds. Verse 1, Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, I know the immediate interpretation of that is talking about the law. But a great application, folks, is you need to stand fast in this liberty that we have. We have people who never learn to stand fast. We have people who don't don't know how to stand at all. And again, I mentioned it in Sunday school. Why don't people stand? Because when you stand, what? You become a target. Now, how many of you like to be shot at? Raise your hand. No, you don't. You may be playing in paintball or something and it's a game. But when you're out there on the battlefield, the last thing you want to do is stand up tall. Man, you want to be hiding behind the rocks. You know, that's one thing I like about Marines. I don't want to, I don't want to diverge too far. But do you know the purpose of Marines? It's to land on beaches and fight the enemy that's up there in the pillboxes and behind other fortifications. And how much... How much protection is there when you're charging up a, a, a beach? Nothing. That's why I think Marines are called names that I will not repeat here. <laughs> they're standing, though. Amen? Now, now they're not standing fast. <laughs> they're, you know, they're standing just for a moment, and then they're running to get up to some sort of protection. We need people who are willing to do that. We need people who are willing to charge hell. Amen? With a water pistol. We need mostly people willing to stand. Man, we have people who do this. They sidestep and kind of cower. Boy, we have a lot of people who do this. Man, they go back the other way. You know what we need? We need young people, we need older people to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. I love to tell, tell the story about, about Baptists in the past, and there are a lot of great Baptist leaders in the past. All of them weren't preachers, some of them were. John Allen was a Baptist pamphleteer, and he was a preacher. 
And uh, he lived back in the time of the, uh, the Boston Tea Party. How many of you remember the Boston Tea Party? You know, some of our colonists hated this taxation without representation, and they snuck on some ships and they threw the tea, tea overboard, 1973. Um, you know, is there a tea party today? Is there a tea party today? Yeah. You know, it's people who are still upset with government. I mean, where they get their name from is the government is doing things that are taking our liberty away. You know, there was a rallying cry back then, taxation without representation. Remember that? And we're a little concerned about that today. And uh, praise God for all the Christians who get involved in politics. Is it a sin for a Christian to be involved in politics? I should hope not. As we look at our, um, at our founding fathers, you know, chaplains in the army back then. Uh, John Allen was, was a Baptist preacher, and he wrote a pamphlet. And it was called, let me, let me get this uh, exactly right. And the pamphlet was called The American Alarm or the Bostonian Plea for the Rights and Liberties of the People. Now, this is the setting. And your preacher's already talked about it. You know, I hadn't thought about it. My Country Tis of Thee was, it was first performed in 1832. And do you know when it was performed in Massachusetts? It was written and performed first in Massachusetts on July 4th in 1832. The next year, it wasn't until 1833 that Massachusetts finally abolished the marriage of church and state. Now, I'm not saying this song had an impact, but it's the kind of song that can. Amen? Now, let me tell you about this Baptist preacher, John Allen. He was living in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, just like your preacher was talking earlier, it was a law of the government that people had to tithe. (laughs) Woo! That one's going to have to be a law written in your heart, folks. Uh, you're for that too, amen? That was Patrick Henry's problem, see. That, that really was. But he understood that that was wrong. Is that wrong to have a law that you have to tithe? Yes, but it wasn't just that. You had to tithe to the Anglican church. You know, the official state church. And um, it wasn't the Anglican church. It was a congregational church. You had to tithe to the official state church. Is that pathetic or what? Did you know that was the American history that is not taught so much in our public schools and sadly is not taught in our Christian schools? That's how most of America was. Now, this big battle about, you know, Boston Tea Party and taxation without representation I'm going to read to you something that is from a U.S. Supreme Court decision. This is is part of what I mentioned, that the U.S. Supreme Court justices know more about Baptist history than Baptists do. 
This is what John Allen, the Baptist preacher, wrote back then. You tell your colonial governor that the Parliament of England have no right to tax the Americans. You know, he's making a case. Hey, local government there in Massachusetts, you know, you're upset that Parliament on the other side of the Atlantic is taxing the people over here and there's no representation in England. And then he tells them, how will you dare to tax the Baptists? For a religion they deny? He stood. Amen? We need to stand today. But we need to understand the issues. And most of us don't. I am proud to be an American. I'm proud to be a Baptist. I really am. Now let me tell you about another Baptist. And there's some... Some, some, some concern about this guy. His name was John Hart. He wasn't raised a Baptist. He was raised a, uh, I think, Presbyterian. And he lived in New Jersey, but later on in life, he built a Baptist church on his property. And I really think he became a Baptist. Hey, I wasn't uh, born a Baptist. You know, at some point in time, you know, I read God's word and I became a Baptist, amen, after I got saved. Now, John Hart wasn't a preacher. He was a farmer. Hey, this is back in 1776. He was a, uh, a farmer. He was a businessman. At some point in time, intriguingly, he became a justice of the peace, which is like an officer of the law. You know, even lawyers can be saved, amen. Do I hear an amen to that? Yes, it's a, it is a miracle. You know what? It was a miracle when I got saved. It's a miracle when you got saved, amen? I was dead in trespasses and sins, and he quickened me to newness of life. Hallelujah. Well, John Hart got involved in politics in his day. He was 63 years old. In a few months, I'm going to turn 63. Now, you know... God's given me a, uh, a heart that's still pumping, <laughs> you know, and lungs that still breathe. And, and he's still giving me a lot of energy. And really, I preach just like I do junior church. I mean, if you want to know, I, I'm just kind of loud and lively, you know. That's the only way to be uh, in junior church. And hey, that's just my style. And if it's too loud for you, wait till you get to heaven. You're going to be really disappointed then. He was a member of the New Jersey group that went to the Continental Congress. And he signed a document that we know today, that we celebrate today, as the Declaration of Independence. Now, as far as I know, he was the only Baptist signer. I want to I tell you about him. He, uh, he knew when he signed that Declaration of Independence that he was, he was signing a death warrant. Because when he signed that, the British weren't going to like it. They called the king a tyrant. They separated themselves from the, the government of England. Listen to, to an opening sentence of this. 
as we celebrate July 4th, it's really, it's a celebration. It's the Declaration of Independence that we're celebrating. Listen to these lines, and I'm so glad. Aren't you glad you're American? When I read these lines, you ought to be thrilled to death. When your pastor tells you more and more stories about, about what it's like in the Middle East, you ought to be grateful you live right here in America. Now listen to this, and you're going to help me. Every time I do this, what does that mean? I want you to what? No, I want you to speak. That, I don't want an amen this time. And if you do an amen, you're cheating. Okay? Okay, kids, are you ready? Now, when I do this, I want you to fill in the blank. Okay? And it's amazing. Some of these younger kids do a better job. We hold these truths to be... Now, what does self-evident mean? It means that, that you don't have to prove it. It means everyone just accepted these as truth. This is what our founding fathers believed back then when the Declaration of Independence was signed. The same group when the Constitution was written and ratified. This is what they believed. These are the self-evident truths. You're doing good so far. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created that they are endowed by their government. No, I think I misread that one. Okay, let's try that again. That they are endowed by their... Is that what they really believed back then? Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, wow. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Now... Unalienable is a big word. It means government didn't give it to you, and government can't take it away. Woo! I like that. God gave it to you, and government can't take it away. Certain unalienable rights. That among these are life. What's the next one? Liberty. Yes, you got a smart group here, preacher. And the pursuit of happiness. Let me tell you, liberty comes from God. Political liberty, as well as religious liberty, comes from God. That's what our founding fathers believed. That's what we need to believe. That's what this book declares. And folks, we need to keep that going. Now, let me read the end of this document. The Declaration of Independence. John Hart and the other signers were signing a death warrant. Listen to the end of this. And help me out. You probably don't know the end of it as well. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of government. Oh, I keep misreading. Mine's going bad. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. Who were they relying upon? God. You know, this is so important. You know, I, I got to stop here. <laughs> Look at that. Tiny just gets away from your preacher. Let me say this. When you face problems in life, you better have a firm 
reliance on the protection of divine providence. That still stands today. Whatever your problem is, young or old. This is what they said. We mutually pledge to each other. Do you know what a local church is? It's a group of, of people who say, we mutually pledge to each other. Isn't that good? Now listen to what these founding fathers mutually pledged to each other. And you help me out. Let's see what, what you can do. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The very first thing that you have to pledge if you want to maintain liberty is your life. If you're not willing to stand up and become a target, we may lose the liberty we have today. And praise God for these men. Amen? And they weren't all Baptists. In fact, as far as I know, John Hart was the only one. Other Americans knew that God was the author of liberty. And they were willing to stand. You know what we need today? We need Christians who have this same God-inspired fortitude to stand and to mutually pledge to each other our lives. That's the very first thing. And then it says, our fortunes. You know, it takes some money to support a local church, doesn't it, preacher? It takes some money to support missionaries, doesn't it? Folks, you need to take a stand for your local church. You need to, also, it says, and our sacred honor. See, John Hart was a well-respected farmer and businessman and justice of the peace. He was 63 years old, which is even older then than it is now. See, I'm, I'm going to be a young 63. You know, he was an old 63 back then. What happened right after he signed that? The English sent Hessian troops, foreign German troops, and they came through his area. And they destroyed his crops. They took his livestock. They destroyed his gristmill. And John Hart, a well-respected man of the community... An honorable man of the community had to flee for his life. He fled into the forest and he spent months hiding out in a cave. That's not very honorable, folks. But he was willing to do that. And what are you willing to do? All God says, all he needs at a time like this is people like you. To stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. What God wants you to do, examine your heart this morning. Are you going to be that kind of Christian? Or are you going to be the kind who ducks? Are you going to be the kind who heads the other way? Or are you going to be the kind of Christian who stands?
and is not moved. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much for this morning. Thank you for saving me.